the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. I am the Bowtie Guy, and we are here today doing another show. I can't believe it. It is show number 188 that we're doing today. And... Um, it should be a good one. I want to remind you, if you check us out on our social media, you can keep track of everything that we're doing. So find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on uh, Instagram. Uh, you'll be able to see some pictures and whatnot. So uh, it's always fun to be social with other people. If you're not there, it's not social media. It's just media. And who needs more media in their life, right? So come join me on the social media and uh, we'll make it a party. You can also look for us on Reddit. We have a, a subreddit called uh, Messed Up Ministries. And uh, you can talk about recovery issues there and see what's going on. So uh, we'd love to have you join us on our social. Also, if you feel like you want to do just a little bit more beyond just getting involved socially and you want to help support the show, we are listener supported. You can join our Patreon uh, membership by going to our website, which is messituppodcast.com. Click on the become a patron button for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show, help pay for uh, streaming fees and uh Bibles for inmates, paper, books, all these kind of things that we do when we go inside. So uh, your money is helping. And because you're giving it to us and because we're a nonprofit, you get that wonderful tax benefit. Tax time is coming up. We're coming up. We're like, I think less than eight weeks from the end of the year here or something like that. We're in November. I know that much. And uh, that means you might want to be looking for your year in giving. So uh, consider messed up ministries for that as well because all of your donations to show are tax deductible. We love our patrons. Uh, when you become a Patreon member, you get access to our Discord chat server, so you can talk with other members, join in our, uh, our book clubs, and uh, read books with us, and that kind of stuff. So it's all just a ton of fun out here on the internet with you people. So uh, thanks for doing that, all you Patreon members, and all you new ones. We really look forward to, uh, to having you join in with the ministry. Uh, the word of the week this week is uh, kind of another one of these fun uh, words that I heard when I was listening to a podcast somewhere. I don't know where I was listening to it, but one of these British guys that I listened to, you know, pulled out the big guns. And uh, this is the word that, that I heard. I was like, oh, I got to put that one down. It's recondite. And it means it's little known or, 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 you know, just very unknown. And I think, man, that kind of fits Mess It Up podcast. We're a little recondite. Um, so if you can use that word in your sentences this week, give yourself 10 points uh, every time you use it. And um, we'll look forward to, uh, to seeing how many points you get on this one. Uh, we've got a guest on the show this week uh, that is not listener Bev from California, finally. And it's not just a solo show for me. We finally got our act together and got a show. I've been looking forward to this for a while, getting this one up. Um, I've got Chris Brown today on the show. Uh, Chris Brown, say hello to the people. Hey guys, really good to be on the show with you today. Looking forward to this. And Chris, you are a pastor where? I'm a pastor down, I call it San Diego, but if you know uh, anything about the county, we're in North County, San Diego, and loving life down here in the Garden of Eden. Uh, it is It is gorgeous. My daughter went to school, well, both of my daughters, all right, three daughters, two of the three daughters went to school at Point Loma, and our son went to school at Point Loma. Um, so, uh, and then uh, the middle daughter, Married a guy from Ocean Beach, and um, uh, they've got the OB stickers on their their cars in Hawaii. And it's amazing to me, actually, driving around in Hilo, 
how many OB stickers there are. There's a lot of people from OB living in Hilo, Hawaii now. So uh, anyhow, that is a gorgeous part of the world. I know you suffer for Jesus and every once in a while I have to break out a sweater or something like that because it gets a little tiny bit chilly. Four days uh, but, a year. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it is nice to have you on. Um, Chris, you are uh, one of the the pastors at the church there, but you also participate in a ministry at the church called Daily Dose. Can you tell us about Daily Dose? Yeah, Daily Dose was something that uh, we started uh, about four or five years ago. Um, a lot of people are doing some sort of little daily devotions. We just realized if people are only getting their biblical content one day a week, then we are being outgunned the other six and a half days. And, uh, and so if you're just coming to church on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night, and that's the only Bible you get, you are probably Bible deficient. And so we said, why don't we just produce these free little daily devos? They're going to be five minutes or less every day, every weekday, Monday through Friday. They're free. Um, people can just sign up for them, text the word daily to 51400-51400. And every morning you'll get a little daily dose. And it was something I was going to do um, instead of writing because I'm an incredibly extroverted ADHD type guy. And, uh, um, and so people said, Hey, instead of writing, why don't you do video? But then I thought, let's open it up to the entire staff. And so now there's about 20 or 30 of us that rotate through the daily dose. And, um, it just, it's texted to people every morning. And if you want five minutes or less of something on the Bible by someone, um, that's what we do. It's, it's thing I love about it. It's real. It's, it's short. It's not a huge commitment of time. You just, I mean, um, I hear him because my wife started listening to him and I hear him when she's eating breakfast, you know, she, as she's going through, I hear that that's one of her little routines. She goes through several different podcasts and, and it's kind of nice because you guys have been doing this since before, uh, the pandemic pandemic really brought the, the podcasters out of the woodwork. Um, you know, this is show 188 for us. So we're coming up, April will be our four year anniversary. So we're pre pandemicers too, but you know, during the pandemic, all these people and, and celebrities started, you know, nuzzling into the space. Um, and you do yours, which is something I tried to do. I tried to do a video show. Uh, video show is a whole lot different than doing an audio show. Yeah. Uh, it's first of all, it's way easier for me to get guests on an audio only show than when I was doing a video show because people didn't have to worry about how they look or anything like that. We didn't have to worry about lighting and, and cameras. And when I did my first video show, oh gosh, it's been about probably eight years ago now, we started, had no budget. So it's just like two iPhones and an iPod or iPad, you know, sitting on tables shooting in a, di a triangle and yeah. then we'd, we'd edit it down. Who does the the back end on your show? The you know how how is the uh, the production handled? Are you doing that? Do you guys have uh, staff that that handles that from your media at church, or who does all the the editing and planning and whatnot? Yeah, we have an incredible tech team here at the church that does all of that. And so it started out kind of being my baby, something I wanted to do, and then um, within a matter of months, it was completely handed over. Even the scheduling of our staff, um, but all of the layout on it, our backgrounds, our camera work, our audio work is all done by the tech team here at North Coast Church. And uh, so it's really a family affair that everyone jumps in and puts this thing together. And we're amazed. I think it's got uh, 28,000 now subscribers to it. And, and I'm hearing stories from all over. It used to be all over North County, then the U.S., but now internationally to hear stories from people going, man, today, this is what I needed to hear. Well, that's the beautiful thing. That, and that's why I love the... Uh the format of podcasting because you can reach so many people that you wouldn't have been able to reach. I have a peculiar 
clump of listeners in Amsterdam. Don't know how. Um, I think what happened is several years ago, I was at uh, CR Summit in Saddleback and met some guys from the Netherlands. And I think they just connected that way and then they started spreading it. But I, I would have never had the ability to reach people in Amsterdam yeah. without this kind of thing. And you can be anywhere, you can be doing it anywhere. And, and I love that idea. Um, so you kind of started it. When you first started out, you had an idea. And now here you are this many years later and it's transformed. What does it look like compared to what you were thinking when you, when you dreamed this up? Like, here's what I want to do. Is it what you thought it would be or has it become a completely different child? It's completely different from the original intent or thought. You know, again, uh, I've seen some other churches do stuff like this. It's not like we created this. But for me, it was going to be a way to get some of my thoughts instead of me blogging, instead of writing. I got six books in my head, but they've been in my head for about eight years. And um, the discipline of actually sitting down and writing is unknown to me. Um, <laughs> and so it was just going to be mine. And then as uh, as we started even talking about it, uh, it was like, why should it be me? We have so many great staff and so many great voices around here and great thinkers. Why don't we open it up? And now sometimes you can go a couple of weeks at a time without me even being on it. And uh, I'm fine with that as well. Is uh, is it difficult to get people as their arm twisting and like, okay, I need you to do this. You got it. Or is it like, all right, you signed a contract and now that's just part of the, uh, <laughs> the, the SOP for being on staff. Yeah, it's completely voluntary and it's harder. There are some voices around here I would love to get, but it's harder to schedule them. They're busy people. This is an add-on, it's an extra. We do have a lot of leaders and young leaders that love the availability and the platform and they get a place to share. And right. so we just kind of have done a magnet through the sand on staff and said, if you're willing okay. and you can do it, we'd love to, to for you to be a part of it, but we don't force you to. And as you know, also on video, um, it takes a, a certain unique type of people that can actually carry that off and do it well. Yes. And so, unfortunately, there's some people I think that would love to be a part of it that just, um, man, their giftedness is not to be in front of the camera sharing thoughts. Right, right. I, I, I used to do video for our church a few years back, and we would do the video announcements and getting people to come in. They're like, oh, yeah, that sounds fabulous. But as soon as they see a camera sitting there, it's just like deer in headlights. And it's like, look, you've got a camera on your phone. You've been on TV. You've been on, you know, you're posting your stuff all over the place. Just relax. But to do a, a, a two-minute video announcement oftentimes would take 20 minutes of just getting them to calm down and relax and secretly turn on the camera while they weren't paying attention kind of thing. And it's, it's tricky. When you talk about having that book in your head or six books in your head, I had, uh, I had my book in my head for about 15 years rattling around. And, and I, I first started writing the first outline and draft of it um, sitting behind bars back in 2001. Mm. And it finally came out during pandemic. I was like, I'm going to finish this thing. And so I finally got it done. And it, it was nothing like what I first started with. But um, now I've got 10 books in my head, but they're actually on, on, on Google's head. What I've done is I've just started a Google Cloud account. And I just start right anytime I get an idea for a book, I just write it down. And uh, it is, so it's discipline, but it gives me an excuse to go sit at Starbucks and, and get out. So I just go in and sit at Starbucks in the morning and write. And um, it's, it's been fun. And uh, I encourage you to, to, to flex those writing bones because uh, there are people out here who don't want to listen to us or hear us. They just want to pick up a piece of paper and read it 
And um, so, so that is a thing, but I, I, I get your ADD thing uh, with blogging, podcasting, writing, going in prisons. And it's just, there's not enough time in the day to do all the stuff I want to do and then still find time to sleep. So it does become difficult. Yeah. Um, your background um, in getting into uh, ministry, what, what was that? Were you born a Christian? What was your, your <laughs> saving uh, story? I was born doomed to be carried to church uh, within uh-huh. being about a week or two old. Um, but because of that, um, I did not care for the churches we grew up in, did not like church. Um, I knew there was a God. I knew that he loved me because by definition, uh, for God so loved the world, I was part of the world. So it was sort of love by association. But I was also taught very clearly that God did not like me. So it was this weird, a God of judgment, a God of wrath, um, a God that loved the world. Okay, I was part of that, but a God that knew everything about me and he did not care for me at all. And uh, in response then growing up, I didn't care much for him, nor did I care for his people, the type of Christians that I saw and hung around just a lot of hypocrisy. Yeah. And uh, I caught a lot of abuse from that hypocrisy. And so I was not about to be part of his <laughs> church, his program, let alone be leading it. And so I'm yeah. the most unlikely candidate to be sitting in this office today. So I'm guessing from that, not a PK, but family that attended church? Oh yeah, I attended every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Mom and dad okay. helped run, you know, sat in the choir, ran the children's program. Uh, Mom and dad bless their heart. They both came from failed marriages, um, really bad experiences. And so when my mom and dad came together already having two kids, then they produced me as a third. I was the reason for the marriage. And I was also a reason for them to look at their lives and go, we can't keep going down this road. Mm. So they found the most ultra conservative, legalistic, dogmatic, teaching organization they could find and they joined it in in hopes of saving a family. So I give mom and dad all the credit in the world. I mean, they were trying to get us to a place where we could stay together, but in doing that, man, they led us down a road of incredible legalism and hypocrisy. And to this day, you know, they know it, they see it, they regret it, but it was their way of trying to save, you know, a new family. What, what brought you to realize, Hey, you know, I've got this call in my life. How did you, how did you recognize that? Was it in college, high school? It was in my 20s. I had left. uh, I grew up in Texas, left there. I came out here. My brother found a home out in Southern California. He found a beautiful blonde haired blue-eyed girl to marry. And uh, he said, hey, you're just kind of wasting your life after high school. You should come out this way. So I got a job working construction. I'm doing my own stuff. I'm driving heavy equipment. And uh, my brother was watching my life for a few years. And he caught me in the garage one night. He said, how you doing? And I said, I'm doing good. And he said, no, you're not. And I turned (laughs) to say something funny and I realized he nailed it. And uh, I said, well, I'm doing as good as I can. And he said, no, you're not. And he said, Chris, I've been waiting to tell you two things. Number one, you got to know God hated the church we grew up in. And I tell you, that statement floored me because I thought, you know, this was God's organization. He was behind it all. Um, And yet it was, God didn't hate the people in that church, but what that church was doing to people, to kids, to women, I know God hated it. And then my brother said something else. He goes, you know that God loves you. And I go, yeah, yeah, God loves the world. He said, Chris, here's what I need you to understand. God knows everything you're doing right now. And he still really, really likes you. And I'll tell you, for whatever reason, God liking me was far more profound than God loving me. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I know that that difference in my life for sure. And that was a huge thing with me in, you know, sitting in a, a, a cell trying to wrap my head around everything that I had done. And, you know, I could accept forgiveness from people and uh, I just couldn't wrap my brain around the fact that, you know, God not just loved me, but he, he liked me and he loved me. I've come to understand he loves me. There's like seven and a half billion people on the planet. You are talking to the guy that God loves the most. And I am too, yeah. because he loves all of us the most. He, he, he's not picking favorites. And that was, that was really hard for me to wrap my head around. But I had a friend, I was feeling bad about myself right before I uh, got incarcerated and I'm, I'm moping. I'm, I'm crying one night and I call a friend at like, I don't know, it was probably 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. And I call this guy. He has in the last year lost his wife and his home with a 10 year old son trying to keep things down. And I call him to come help me out. And he comes over and he's like, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll be right there. And leaves his son sleeping in bed, comes over. And, and I tell him my problems like, oh, boo-hoo. And, and he just looks at me. He's like, you're wasting my time for this. Are you telling me that God died and you don't even think he, and, and he just really, he didn't give me the hug that I was looking for at one in the morning. He just slapped me in the face with, look, buddy, God loves you. You got to accept that. And it really, you know, turned things around in my brain for me, but it can be so difficult because we carry around all this baggage, this mess that we have and trying to figure out how to let God make that become a message is, is tricky. Yeah. So, so when did you feel a call in your life? When did you recognize that as a call? Um, it was in that same period. I started uh, attending the church. My brother was kind of teaching a, a young marriage class at. Uh, my brother was always a little bit confusing to me. He was the coolest, funniest guy I know. He's the guy I loved hanging out with more than anybody. And yet he was a Christian, and I had never experienced <laughs> both of those. Yeah, the, um, those are square hole round yeah. peg. So I was like, man, and I, I couldn't understand why are you still hanging out at the church, man? I mean, you're smart. He's a smart guy. Um, and so I started attending with him. Uh, there was a youth pastor named Jim Trail. Uh, he will forever get the credit of finding this guy. You know, that's who God used. Um, uh, he knew and loved my brother. And then he saw me and he figured I must be somewhat of the same cloth. And so right off the bat, he goes, hey, we're having a tough time finding leaders. Can you, we're taking high school kids to camp. Can you go with us? And I'm like, you have no idea who you're asking. Um, but heck yeah, I'll do a free camp. And so I went to winter camp with this high school group and, uh, I'm only a couple years older than most of the, you know, the seniors. And, uh, that's where I started working with this youth group and Jim started pouring into me and Jim realized I'm not the guy that he was hoping I would be, but he didn't abandon that. And it was, I thought, okay, I'm going to work construction. I'm going to have my good job. I'm going to work with students. Um, I, I really related with high schoolers. Um, I still relate with high schoolers and, uh, and it was in those two years that God really started to press on my heart because of the amount of people seeing it. Wow, you should be a youth pastor. And I was just like, no way, no way. I mean, that's the last thing in the world I would ever be or do. And over the course of those two years, my heart, my mind just moved to just starting to love God. And with that, started to love teenagers who needed to find freedom of their own. Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I'm looking at this, uh, at this clock ticking by and knowing that I've got a limited amount of time. So I'm going to jump into our, our song of the week here. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to give you about 90 seconds of the song of the week. This week, it is Tasha Layton. Look what you've done. So we'll be back in about 90 seconds to uh, share our thoughts. 
and uh, talk more about a specific episode of Daily Dose that really caught my attention with Chris. So here's 90 seconds of Tasha Late. I let him take a hold of my life. I let him take control of my life. Standing in your presence, Lord, I can feel you digging all the roots up. I feel you healing all my wounds up. All I can say is hallelujah. Look what you've done. Look what you've done in me. You spoke your truth into the lies. I let my heart believe. Look at me now. Look how you made me new. The enemy did everything that he could do. Oh, but look what you've done. Suddenly shame is gone i thought i was too broken now i see you were breaking new ground inside of me standing in your presence lord i can feel you digging all my roots up i feel you healing all my wounds up all i can say is hallelujah All right, there you go, Tasha Layton. Uh, I was talking to Chris about the song in the break there, and uh, um, tell what you said about your your uh, assistant. Yeah, I'd never heard the song. You know, I, I saw in your little notes for this recording that you're gonna be playing it, and so Holly, she goes, "Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite songs. You got to listen to it." So this morning I listened to it, and I love the lyrics of this song. What stood out? You know, what stood out was God's incredible grace and mercy. You know, the only thing that's going to break our guilt and shame. But what I loved was the chorus about God's going to go in and pull up all the roots. Um, God loves us too much just to forgive us. God also wants to free us. And, and you can find forgiveness, you know, just at the cross. But freedom is allowing God to go in and pulling up those roots, the truth of who you are, and saying, look, I know the truth of who you are. I want to expose these roots, and I want you to know there's a greater truth of how I see you. And uh, it's the woman at the well that says, Lord, give me water uh, that I'll never have to thirst again. And Jesus goes, nope, let's talk about your sex life. Let's talk about your husband's <laughs> is, 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 and the guy you're currently sleeping with. And you're like, whoa, why did he have to go there because these are the things that's going to bring her guilt and shame and he wanted to uproot these things so whenever they appear in her mind or in her memories again she's going to know they're dealt with i not only have forgiveness i also now have freedom yeah yeah and that line the lies i believe that's been my my you know trope for for life just these lies that i believed and and still even though you know to this day 20 years into recovery and uh, you know, all the things, it can be easy to hear a lie and be, you know, if it catches me at the right time, just like, okay, yep, yep, that's a lie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and go with this lie and, and believe that one because I want to. I want to I wanna be able to revel in the, the pain and, and maybe act out a little bit or whatever. So no, um, thank you, Tasha. I found, though, Paul, is the, as I don't believe the lies. I believe the truth. There's two different truths. The truth is, here's what I've done. Here's what I've earned. Here's what I deserve. And that's the truth about me. I am a wretched human being. I've never been caught up in the lies. You know, Satan's never tricked me and go, oh, remember that night that you had all that cocaine and those two prostitutes and I feel so guilty and shame. I'm like, wait a second. 
I never had a night like that in my life. And Satan's like, oh, I almost tricked you into a lie. Satan doesn't need to lie about me. He goes, Chris, remember her? Remember 91 and 92? Mm. Chris, remember, you know, the summer of 89? Chris, I've armed him with truth about me, and then I feel the guilt and shame of what's true about me. There's just a higher truth of what God has done and now how he sees me. I have to learn to accept one truth or the other, and that's where we can find freedom, not just forgiveness. Yeah, that's a great that's a great uh, a great way of looking at. It. I'm I'm gonna steal that. That's gonna be a show. It's yours. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for that. Um, this is one of the main reasons I have people on the show um, because um, it gives me more ideas that I don't have to think up. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. Um, so the the reason that I originally wanted to have you on the show is because I heard this um, podcast, and I don't typically do this with people where I'm listening to something like. I've got to talk to this guy about this on the show, but you were talking back on your, uh, on the October 4th, if you guys want to look this up. Um, and, and if you don't subscribe, you just want to, you can find them on YouTube. Um, but it's uh, October 4th, 2021, 10, four. So like, okay. Uh, and you were talking about Jude and, uh, and it sounds like, um, do, does the, does the daily dose come out of sometimes out of the Sunday message as well? Is it like a, a thematic thing or, about half the time, well, sometimes we'll do it and we'll tie it with the message. So whatever book we're teaching on, then, hey, the rest of this week, you can have a Devo on it. Right now, we're on some topical, like finding wisdom and nuggets from Proverbs, but we'll go back and forth on them. Okay, so this one was was on Jude, and and it's you know called How We Fight for Our Faith is, is what you were uh, talking about on that. And it just really, it really grabbed my attention because... I see so much going on in the church and in the world of just people fighting. And I've always had this thing where people say, oh, well, I, you know, every man that I've met in church who's exploded about something, it seems like they come back and say, well, I had righteous indignation. So it was okay for me to erupt on your face because it was righteous indignation. And I don't know many angry men who don't know the Bible story about Jesus flipping tables. Yeah, but they just know that part of it. They don't know the story. They just know the anecdote. And uh, and it just drives me nuts to see how people deal with stuff. And I love your take. Can you sum up real quick, just for people who haven't heard the, the show yet, your thought on that? Yeah, I think my main thing in reading through that is, you know, it's how to fight for the faith, not who to fight for your faith, you know, <laughs> and and it's. You know, when we are looking at just the simple gospel message on this, you know, we've got a Jesus that was a fighter. We got a Jesus that was a warrior, but it was never against people. He was fighting for a truth and a gospel. He was fighting out of love, compassion. Um, Yeah, the flipping over the tables in the church again. He didn't go after harm or people. He went after the hypocrisy of an entire church that people are supposed to come to this temple to find a place of love and acceptance. And instead, they're finding cheating. They're getting ripped off. They've got a temple tax. Um, They're getting oppressed. And that's what Jesus went after. Jesus, ironically, the only time we see a fit of anger, it's against Christians. It's the leaders in the temple. It wasn't against those outside the temple. And so, yeah, I loved your little opening line there. But for people to go, well, Jesus flipped over. Yeah, he did it against people like you. That's what he was upset about. Um, Yeah. And I think that's what Jude is getting at. It's like, hey, how do we stand for our faith? Not who do we fight for our faith? 
Yeah, and it seems like so many people are just looking for a fight. And I don't know if, I mean, I have my theories. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a guy, uh, I, do, I don't believe in the good old days, mm. you know, because I know, you know, when I'm growing up in the 70s, uh, you know, we had just come through um, a lot of upheaval in the country with civil rights. And I know the way that my parents' generation looked at people of color are a lot different than the way I grew up looking at them. And they didn't even think anything of it because, you know, my dad grew up in, in the South in Carolina and, you know, was a hillbilly with no shoes and, and dirt floor. And that's just the way life was. And so I, I know there's always been strife. I mean, just read the Bible. You can see that there was, you know, people talk about, well, marriage doesn't mean anything today. You were talking about the woman at the well, you know, yeah. and this was written 2000 years ago. So, um, I don't believe in the good old days, but I do believe that the internet and media and our access to information and the ability now for us to lob a cannonball into a room through a firewall and feel safe and protected. That I can spew any venom I want and you don't have the right to, you know, I don't have to look you in the eye. You know, it's like honking your horn on the freeway. More people honk their horn on the freeway than say something in the grocery store because there's no immediacy and responsibility I think that we have to take so so I know that there's that but it feels like people are just looking to fight right now about stuff and it it was happening before the pandemic so I can't blame it on being locked down but that certainly didn't help yeah I think we're just an angry people and I think the pandemic exposed a lot of that anger and now we're more angry than ever before and yet we don't have, like you said, a healthy outlet for it. We can't go after politicians. We don't, can't go after Democrats or Republicans. We can't go after here in California, Governor Newsom. We can't go after Fauci. We can't go after the CDC. We can't go after OSHA. And so now people have got this anger, this frustration, rights been taken away, mandates put on their lives. And because we don't have a great source of peace, joy, and contentment, we're just left with the anger part. And so then whoever does get in our sights, that's who we decide to pull the trigger and blow up. And I love the way the entire book of Jude, you brought it up, it ends with just the, the first part of Jude just says, look, there are people that are false teachers. There are people that are ripping the church apart. In the last times, at the end of Jude, it says, there will be scoffers who are going to follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. So Jude sets up this whole thing of, man, people are tearing our faith apart. And so I read the book of Jude, this little one chapter, and go, yes, yes, like, how do we get at him? And Jude ends by saying, so here's how you get at him. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And here's what you do with those that you're angry at. You be merciful to those who doubt. You snatch others from the fire and save them. And to others, you show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. And so Jude builds up this case for, all right, how do I blow people out of the water? And he goes, no, no, no. So you, dear friends, you've got to be staying rooted in your faith and the love. Otherwise, you're going to turn into an angry individual. And I think that's the problem, Paul. We are consuming so much media, so much news, so much conflict that we ourselves have become conflict and angry people. And Jude goes, you've got to 
get, you got to wean yourself off of the world that you're eating on daily, stay rooted in your faith, stay rooted in God's love, and then wait for God's mercy. Remember what you deserve before you give someone else anything. And then he says, now here's all I need you to do. Give mercy to those who doubt, to those who are lost, and to those who are rebelling. You give mercy. Yeah. We, we People are never our enemy. What they stand for could be the enemy. He goes, hey, you can hate the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. You can hate what they're wrapped up in. You can hate their politics. You can hate their ideology. But you will never, ever hate the person if you're a child of God. And this is how we fight for our faith. Yeah. And I think it's so much easier for people to to be angry than to be hurt. Yes. And so when we're hurt by something, we can just lash out because then it's not, it's not my fault. It's their fault. They did this to me. I've been, you know, put upon. So now I've got, it's right. I've got this legitimate beef now so I can act on it however I want it because they did this. And the idea that, that it's a person that's going to, I mean, I, I don't think people read the Bible the way they listen to jokes. And I think they're reading the Bible and wanting to write their own punchline, but they're not waiting for the punchline. And so few times in the Bible, is there a this without a that? You know, I mean, you look at Proverbs, it's always blah, 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 blah. And then the counterpoint to it. And so people will read, well, you have this, this, and this. And it's like, yep, there he goes. He says the anger, we can, we can do it. We got to hate this. And then they just stop reading when it doesn't, it's, it's just that truth bias, just trying to find stuff that, that makes my point of view truthful and then ignoring everything else that might refute it and then not wanting to take the time to reconcile hating an action but loving a person and what does loving a person look like and are we selling out because it's so quick that you know somebody shows love to a group of people and now they're selling out and that group of people changes over time it used to be alcoholics back in the 60s or 50s and you couldn't be an alcoholic. Now everybody can be an alcoholic. You, you know, drugs, you couldn't do that. Now, and then, you know, it's, it, we just have this group of people that we will lump together and they're the bad people. You know, when we were kids, I'm guessing we're of a similar age profile. You know, you watch Rocky and, you know, I, I loved in, in Rocky Four, Yvonne Drago, I must break you. Yeah. And, you know, it's the Russians were the bad guys. And then it became, you know, this, these different people who are the bad guys and, we just, we need to have a bad guy. And as Christians, we've got to be the love, you know, we've got to, Jesus wasn't looking for the bad guy other than to go and love him. Yeah. And as Christians, we have a bad guy and his name is Satan and he's got a lot yeah. of followers, but those are demons, not people. We've just said, okay, now we hate the people. And it's like, then that's why I love the book of Jude. You can hate their politics. You can hate their ideology. You can hate their signs. You can hate what they stand for. You can hate what they believe. You can hate their rhetoric. But if you are a child of God, you are never, ever allowed to hate the person. You are going to show mercy and love to that person. Or as it says, snatch them from the fire. Your goal is to love that person into heaven, no matter how much you hate what they stand for. And I think that's where you said it's if, you know, we, we sometimes don't read it as a joke. We forget the punchline will always be be love. We forget that the, you know, when the teachers of the law came to Jesus and said, of all the commandments, what's the most important? And Jesus goes, well, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And we have forgotten the most important commandments right now when it comes to, you know, the world around us and the crisis of our culture. Right. And if, you know, if I listen to the first part of the show and your background, I can hear 
and I'm, I'm, I'm projecting into here. So correct me if I'm wrong. You can't that just the, 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 the experience you had with Christians and that I feel that's where this passion for this idea comes from is it's like, look, I lived this, I, I got this. And I felt, you know, as when, when I was a kid, we grew up on a Navy base. So we went to church and every two years, there was a different pastor yeah. that came in because it was chaplain that rotated through. So sometimes we were Baptist, sometimes we were Episcopalian, uh, sometimes we were Lutheran, you know, it went all over the place. We didn't have any specific um, kind of doctrine that we followed, but the people were just always there. And so as a, as a result, my parents brought us, they dropped us off for Sunday school and they went and had breakfast at McDonald's and came and picked us up. And we just went to church. And I didn't see it being lived out anywhere else. But when we got home Sunday afternoon, you know, it was uh, just crazy. Yeah. So I hate that hypocrisy. And that drove me out of the church for years. I was that guy who's like, you know, you can have your church. I don't want anything to do with it because I don't see any, I don't, what you're supposedly preaching is not what I see living out in your life. Your fruit doesn't seem to be there. And um, I'm not a judge but I can be a fruit inspector before I buy your product. Yeah. You guys, so, um, so where do we go with, with the anger in the world and, and all this? And, and we're not going to fix the world. That's not what we're, I mean, how do we, how do we fix us? How do we fix the person sitting next to us in church and, and get that um, move like, beyond this hate? We have to come back to what is our main calling? You know, this hit me. I, I was doing a, I was doing a leadership event out on the East Coast in North Carolina, and I got to interview Joe Gibbs, a famous football coach in the NFL, now runs Joe Gibbs Racing NASCAR. And amazing interview and amazing man. And afterwards, you know, there was an invitation. Do you want to come to the NASCAR garage, check out everything we do? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, I just so I didn't realize how many NASCARs they had, how many cars are in production. There's over 100 cars down there. We get to the final end of this, and I see the cars that are all wrapped. It was an M&M car, and I was asking about the sponsorship on that. And I go, oh, my gosh, for M&M, like, what's the sponsorship on that? And they go, it's about $600,000, $650,000. I'm like, they have to pay $600,000 a year to have their M&Ms on the car? And he goes, no, no, that's a race. I was blown away. I'm like, yeah. Each race at 600? Oh, yeah, each race. I go, so what about the little stickers? Because maybe my church wants to do a sticker. So the little tiny stickers that are all over the back of the car. He goes, those you can get for sometimes $75,000. A race. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the beauty. You don't have to be a NASCAR fan to, to know this. When you look at a car... Without a doubt, it is very clear who the main sponsor is. The M&M is on the side. It's on the hood. You know, it's on the top. And here's one thing you're going to find. You never, ever, ever will see the little stickers on top of the big sticker. It will never happen because right. that car is bought and owned by somebody else. Paul, I think that is the perfect picture of your answer to your question. What do we do as Christians right now? We have allowed our little stickers to cover the big sticker on who we are right now. We are bought with a price. We are children of God. Our main thing is to love God and love others. It's okay that you have a bunch of little stickers in your life. It's okay that you're passionate about politics. It's okay that you're passionate about, you know, CDC stuff or your workplace. I've got a kayak sticker on my car. I've got a saltwater fishing sticker. I've got my kids stickers. I've got a lot of things I'm passionate about, but they can never ever cover the M&Ms. And right now, we have Christians 
that you cannot tell they're loving God and loving others because they've allowed all their other passions and their anger stickers to cover the M&Ms. And this is where we've gotten sideways. You want to get back to the church having an influence? We've got to set aside all the cultural and all the temporary things that are driving us crazy. And we've got to come back to we are bought with a price. We are no longer our own. And that we are called to love God and love others. And right now, that's hard to see on Christians because they're smaller stickers are covering the M&Ms. And I know what you're angry about. I know what you're fearful of. I know what you're torn up about, but I have no idea who you love. Right. And I'm going to go one further. I'm going to say we also are letting Kyle Bush drive our beautiful car. <laughs> so it just keeps on going go. down a horrible, horrible road. Yeah. And I think, you know, people say, what do we need to do? And I go, we got to come back to the source. Again, it's what Jude says. You got to come back to your faith and you got to come back to your prayer in the spirit and you got to come back to God's love and mercy. That's the big sticker. That's who we are. And right now we've let a lot of other things in our culture and in our life cover up the calling of God. And we shouldn't be out on the track right now. Yeah. Yeah. I like that big sticker. We're going to have to get some big stickers for our our lives here. Uh, Chris, um, tell people real quick again, how can they get a hold of that daily dose? Um, if you want it delivered to you free at no cost, you just text the word daily to 51400. 51400, just text the word daily and it'll show up every morning around 6 a.m. If you don't like to get up at that time, make sure your phone is on vibrate because it just shows up on your phone. Then you can watch it anytime you want, or you can ignore it, um, but it's free. It just comes to you. Again, it's five minutes or less every day, just good biblical teaching, a daily devo. Um, it's that it's that dose. It's that daily dose that we need. I don't expect you to remember them all, but maybe this is just what you needed to get you through this day, what you needed to love God and love others better. That's what it's about. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. want to remind listeners to uh, check out Daily Dose. Uh, it, it is very simple. And here's the thing that's awesome about free. If you don't like it, you know, just send it to someone that you don't like. Maybe they'll get something out of it, but just, you know, go ahead and subscribe because it, it costs you nothing. Nobody's paying for data anymore. It's just a few bits and just, you know, send those things out, spam people with, uh, with the, uh, with the link. You can also spam them with mess it up podcast link. Uh, we'll just get the news out there uh, however you want. Um, and don't forget to check out all of our social media. Uh, if you want to become a patron, it's easy enough. Just go to mess it up podcast.com. Click on the become a patron button and, and you can get all the information. If you've got an idea for a show, it's bowtie guy at mess it up podcast.com. Or if you're just hanging on by your last thread, I don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning where I am or where you are, 760-608-1942. That's my number. I will answer unless I'm in the bathroom uh, and then I'll call you right back. But otherwise, I, I will answer that phone. So uh, don't, don't let go of the rope without giving a call. Uh, we love you guys for being here. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and we will see you next time we mess it up. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess it up.